This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with my digital guru, as I like to call him, Derek Konofelski. And Derek does a lot of things for our team, but one of them is running Spark App League, our coding contest that we've created for junior high and high school students. And it's pretty amazing. We bring people from all over Arizona together for two annual events, and we just held our beginners event where we welcomed more than 200 junior high and high school students, as I said, to Arizona State University last week. So let's talk about the event and how it was different from the events we've had in the past. I'm super excited because this event, I feel like we we do a pretty good job of getting, of kind of like expanding the event and making it better and better each time. Um, you know, we want to try to reinvent the wheel every single time, but this time I was super excited. You know, we brought back uh, our partnership with ASU. We uh, had Waymo as our sponsor again, and I always love having them there. And Waymo's the self-driving car project that was formerly Google's self-driving yep. car project, but now they're their own company. So. Yep. And then uh, what, what we kind of changed up this year was we collaborated with the Smithsonian, uh, specifically the Lemelson Center for the Study of Invention and Innovation. And um, we kind of brought them in to help establish the theme and kind of the context for the event. So um, whereas in past events, it's been very kind of just nose down coding heavy. Um, and we, yeah, we do like our giveaways and our social media stuff, but they actually brought physical activities for the students to do. And they had like uh, little puzzles and they brought a, uh, a portable wind tunnel with them to do just some kind of like, like brain exercises about invention and about, and about iteration and changing stuff, which I think is awesome because it, aligns perfectly with coding. Like, um, if you haven't checked it out before, or you're not familiar with the Lemelson Institute, I would totally suggest going to their website. Um, you can check it out at the main Smithsonian website and link there, or um, you can look in the description for this podcast. We'll put the, the link to their website. Um, but what I really like is they have this Spark Lab that has challenges, and it's all about invention and problem solving. And I just think it, it, it's, like, it's almost like a match made in heaven, it, almost like kismet. There's just such a parallel between problem solving and coding and problem solving and invention and engineering. And since Spark is all about, you know, trying to introduce students to STEAM careers and computer science careers and coding and programming careers. It's just, it was, it was a great collaboration. I think it worked out really, really well. And I'm, it just makes me all the more excited for our advanced event because I mean, the, the wheels just are going to come off the bus. We're going to be going full speed ahead. Like it's going to be awesome. I'm it's, really excited. It's pretty amazing. And this all started because um, our town manager went to D.C. at an event and was taking a tour of the Smithsonian and looked up and saw this sign, and it said Spark Lab. And he was like, huh, we have a Spark App League. That's interesting. And he started going and um, had a conversation with them and made an introduction. And then we had a phone call, and we were talking about how they were trying to take those physical challenges that you mentioned and find some way to make them digital. And we were like, well, that's pretty much what we do in our program. So it's just this amazing collaboration. They'll also be a part of our um, spring event and they do themes every four months or so. They mm -hmm. change out their themes. And this one was around eat, um, things related to food. And so that was pretty cool to look at what some of the ideas that these students came up with to incorporate the theme and think about doing, you know, doing good. And what's fun and fresh is that they change those themes so regularly that for our advanced event, um, we will have a different theme that we'll be able to focus on. And um, it's pretty amazing when you see things like this come all together. And I, I think that 
you know, Spark is something that any city could emulate if they wanted to. And that's what I always think to myself is like, there could be these programs everywhere for students. And, but it's difficult because you have to go out and you have to find partnerships. And, you know, we don't spend any of our own money because I don't have budgets for things like this. And that's where the idea for Spark came from in the first place was because I didn't have a budget for a mobile app. And I had to get creative to think about how we would be able to get a mobile app in the first place. And now this has evolved into gaming, which is really hot um, right now, and then coding. And then the students just keep getting younger. Yeah. I, we had these sixth graders. <laughs> oh, Jack. I knew you were going to, I knew you were going to ring him up. You knew I would you talk have to. about Jack. You have to. Jack, if you're listening, you are like the best kid ever. This kid came in. I mean, he was just locked in from the second he got there. He was so funny to sign onto the Wi-Fi in the room at ASU. Um, we host this event in a big ballroom, um, if you can imagine. And, and I think that that's really important. We have tried to do virtual classrooms and do this, but there really is something about the energy in the mm-hmm. room when you bring all these kids together um, with the mentors and all of our partners and collaborators. And so, um, you know, he came in and he kind of stood out from the get-go. He needed to connect to the Wi-Fi and he goes, well, I don't, I'm 11. I don't have an email address or a phone number. I was like, okay, kid, here we go. We got him all signed up and ready to go. And he rocked it. In fact, he almost won a prize. Um, He came up a little short, but he's got plenty of years ahead of him, Will, where he'll definitely be a winner. I can, I can assure you of that. But it's just amazing to see these kids are 11 years old and they're coming in and they're engaging and creating and coding and thinking and participating just as well as the 17-year-olds. In the yeah, room. and this is the first time in my life, I think, that I've ever been envious of an 11-year-old yeah. because not only, I mean, he's super sharp and smart and witty, but like he, he I wish I would have known. He says that he, when, when we were having our conversation, I think we even got some video of it, but he was saying that he's known what he's wanted to do for like his career for the rest of his life since he was six years old. He wants to be a materials engineer mm-hmm. and he wants to like create all these super materials, he called them. Um, yeah, he's, which, he can bend steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, <laughs> his, I forget what it was, a molecular displacer or whatever the heck it was. Um, like he's, he's known since he was six what he's wanted to do. Like he's just been fascinated in that. And I've known for a long time that I wanted to do you know, something involved with computers and that I wanted to be a program and I want to create stuff. I feel like I'm a pretty creative person. But seeing these students just like, it blows my mind every single time. I, I really think that people underestimate the capability of, of all these students. And just to kind of backtrack a little bit, you know, you said something that I kind of wish that other cities would and could emulate um, the, the, the program that we're doing. And we, you know, we've had people come and ask if they could kind of like, be a part of it or if they could jump or if in or come that. host an event yeah, in their city. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like things like that. And you know, I kind of have this general I don't know if it's a rule or a mantra or something, but I just when I look at stuff like that, Spark, like a lot of the things that I do, the concept is really simple. I think that the the things that are most meaningful for people are where the concepts are simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy to do it. Like it's not it's it, it could be a, a complex process to get it you know, to, to bring it to fruition. But the concept is so simple. It's just you bring kids together to teach them how to code. You teach their teachers how to code so that they can help them. Huge part of it. Very crucial yeah, element. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, uh, you know, that's kind of an interesting segue too that we could talk about. But I think that the concept is simple. But once you have that concept going, it's like one of those things that you can kind of just let it go, just like push it out a little bit, and it kind of takes a life of its own, you know? If you can teach a teacher 
how to code enough to be able to help her students, then those students will take it the rest of the way. You know, they'll, they'll figure it out. I mean, that's how I learned when I was growing up, we didn't have coding camps and, and, and classes online and YouTube didn't even exist when I first started coding. So it was all like, you go to the library, grab some books about coding and just dive nose deep into them. I just think that it's great to see teachers getting involved with it. And I don't think it's any surprise. I know um, I would like to talk about some of the, the like projects that people have come mm-hmm. up with and stuff and the winners, but it's not really a surprise to me that the winners ended up being um, not all of them, but I think the majority of them were the parents and teachers and, and mentors that were most involved. Like sure. they did the teacher training. You know, I, I, and I know for a fact that I answered questions or we have it's, conversations. Tell, tell us email. a little bit about the teacher training. Cause I think it, like I said, it's a really crucial por- portion of this because the teachers oftentimes feel intimidated by mm-hmm. their students' skill level when it comes to coding. Because if you really think about, this is a fairly new concept and now something that really every student should be expected to be exposed to and understood, but yet it's not a required part of the curriculum um, in this state of Arizona, of yeah. course. Um, and so the teachers aren't trained to teach this, um, to teach coding, and they probably weren't taught it when they were mm-hmm. going through school years ago or even recently. So why is that teacher training piece so important? important. So I think that the the teacher training, the reason why we, you know, decided to do it was because, as I mentioned, we'd gotten feedback in the past that teachers just felt unprepared or, you know, they, they weren't familiar enough with coding or they didn't have enough experience to help their students out. And so my goal was we use Scratch, uh, which is a, a software platform from MIT. You go to the website scratch.mit.edu. And what Scratch does is it separates the concepts of coding from like a specific language, you know, like when, when, and and programming is much like any language that you learn. If you're trying to learn Spanish or Japanese or, you know, whatever language you're trying to learn, you, the, the concepts of the language are, are similar for lots of different languages, but you have to memorize or like learn, you know, the very specific way that this particular language does something. Well, coding's the same way. There's there's specific ways that you have to do things in certain languages depending on what you do. Scratch kind of takes that piece out of it. So the kids just focus on the problem-solving pieces, the concepts of that. And teacher training is basically, um, you know, you mentioned we don't really have the budgets to do like professional training videos or to do one-on-one training with these teachers. So essentially what we do is we set up um, multiple Google Hangouts, which is Google Hangout, if you're not familiar with it, is just kind of an online live video chat. And one of the things that Google Hangouts offers is the ability to record these Hangouts. So what I do is I schedule, um, it's typically four to six weeks depending on um, which event it is, but uh, for this last one we did four weeks and there was three sessions per week and essentially I would just host a Google Hangout where teachers could join there was a link on our website where they could just click on it and as long as they had a a microphone or a webcam or I mean they technically didn't even have to do that they could just chat with us but I would literally walk them through creating a game and the game that I make is specifically set up in such a way that um, I introduce these coding concepts that the students learn just a little bit at a time. So, you know, first we start off with just like the very, very basics of like moving a character around. And then we move into like creating interactions between characters. And it's just kind of like each step of the training builds upon the previous step. So what that means for teachers is that they can join 
and, and be part of the interactive session live as it's happening. And if they can't do that, then there's the video that they can watch afterwards to catch up, and then they can join for the next session if they want to. Or if they're not able to join for any of the sessions, then they can go on our website afterwards on our YouTube channel and you know, just do the entire teacher training almost as like a, a video series, like a I tutorial. I love that, yeah. And, um, and the teachers love it. Yeah. I mean, they, they couldn't thank you enough. I mean, really, truthfully, it means so much to them, you know, that they're getting this opportunity to, to be able to help their students not just prepare for this event, but then after. I mean, yeah. for mm-hmm. it is ongoing. Like the, hearing the feedback from teachers about that stuff because again, I think that if it wasn't for these teachers, you know, Arizona, we've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast before when we've talked about this, but like Arizona doesn't have any formal curriculum for computer science and stuff. So really, ultimately, these teachers that do come to Spark that sign their students up for it, the mentors, you know, we have we have parents of homeschool kids that uh, that was one of the teams that actually mm-hmm. won one of mm-hmm. the prizes. These people are literally just volunteering their their time and and their energy and and bringing these because they know that that kids have to know how to code but they're like I don't know the first thing about coding but I know it's important right and not just for computer science related majors anymore for any major we had kids last year who won they were theater students Mm -hmm. and they're like we just thought we should try something different you know and now it really is important for all kids and and we we even were talking this time about Let's get some elementary school kids in here or, mm-hmm. or have a separate event for elementary kids. Like we just keep getting younger and younger. Yeah. And the, I mean, there's stuff come that's coming up like in December is the official uh, National Computer Science Week. So the hour of code, there's a bunch of schools doing an hour of code and I'm doing an hour of code session for a couple of Gilbert schools out here where literally I'll just go to the school and for an hour I'll teach the kids how to make like a paint, basic paint program in Scratch or maybe a basic game. You know, I, I kind of like let them decide the way that they want to take it because again the way that I learned how to program was I didn't like I didn't have somebody assign me a project you know I think I think that's a a big failing I guess of schools that they try to teach kids these these projects you know they try to duplicate stuff when in reality you kind of have to just latch on to what the kids are interested in Mm -hmm. you know let Mm -hmm. let them do it again the language once they learn those concepts once they learn how programming works they can apply that to whatever project or whatever you know product or service or whatever that that they're, they're trying to build it's really just you're getting them to understand those concepts and that those two things the teacher training and just the combination of the fact that Spark is open-ended enough to where we let, we're letting the students come up with their own problems. Mm-hmm. Like when they come up with the concept for their game, they have to figure out, okay, well, how is this game going to work? You know, and I don't. Th- I think a lot of people don't actually think about that. Like people, we there's a there's this negative perception almost with video games that they're just time wasters, mm-hmm. but. When somebody says, like, oh, I want to learn how to make video games, like, parents and teachers sometimes poo-poo that idea. Mm-hmm, that They're mm-hmm. like, well, you're just going to sit around and play video games all day? Like, blah, blah, blah. Well, no. They're learning concepts that they can apply to other stuff. Like, these video games let students come up with their own problems because they have to think about how, what are the actual mechanics of this game. When somebody sits down to play it, like, what are they going to do? And then how do I make that happen? And that thought process is really, that's the thought process we're trying to foster. That's why I think the Smithsonian thing was such a big deal, because inventors use that same thought process. It's not A, B, C, D, like these are the steps you have to take. It's, okay, what what actually do we want to do, and then what are some ways that we can do that? They'll try, fail, try again, fail, try again, fail. 
and like I said, the, the students that are most successful at our events are the ones where the teachers are involved, the students like plan this stuff, they're not afraid of doing something wrong, they're not afraid of failing. Um, so that's why it's always exciting for me to see this stuff happen. Yeah, and I love, we had the theme, we'll code for food, so fun. Yes. So we had, yes. you know, t-shirts, and we always know that we can get a win with food um, when you're talking mm -hmm. to teenagers, especially. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and so I want to talk about the winners, some of your favorite games that you saw come out of this. And so mm -hmm. maybe briefly just give, a, give an example of, like, the prompt that was given, what assignment they were given, and then again, mm -hmm. they have two days a day and a half really to make this and they could work. Some of them I think said they didn't go to sleep that night because they were working yeah. all night, but they did not know yep. what their assignment was until they arrived at the event on day one. Correct. So as with previous spark events, again, this was a little different because we were collaborating with the, the Lemelson center uh, from the Smithsonian, but in past events, we've always given a prompt or a theme and then some rules that the students have to follow for their games. So in the past, it's always been like, you have to have some way for the people to win. You have to have some way for people to lose. Well, this time we wanted to base the theme on what the Smithsonian was doing at the Spark Lab. And their, as you mentioned, their theme was eats. So our theme for the event was invention and eats. And kind of what we, what we advised the students and the rules that we gave them was that um, the, the game had to be something uh, that either utilized a prompt that the Smithsonian is using at the Spark Lab. So, for example, one of their prompts right now is they have a blank lunchbox, and then students are given you know various stickers and magnets and things to design a lunchbox at mm -hmm. the Smithsonian. Well, we didn't want our Spark kids to design a lunchbox, we wanted them to make a game where somebody else could you know, sit down and design a lunchbox or do something like that. And actually that was one of the, the winning games was a game that let you do that in kind of a, a novel way. Um, so some of my favorite projects though, um, as I mentioned, the, the lunchbox one uh, was a great project because it, it directly took one of the Smithsonian themes uh, put a little spin on it, and then made it virtual. So it was something that they're already doing at the Spark Lab, which was great, um, but they made a Gilbert lunchbox game. So um, the, the kind of the game or the, it wasn't even necessarily a game, it was more of like an activity. But the activity was you could pick your school and it would have like the school's mascot and then you could paint little stickers on the lunchbox. So you could paint like the school mascot on the lunchbox. And then you could um, customize all the colors for the lunchbox. So the handle could be one color, the outside could be another color, the background could be another color. You could open the lunchbox and pick like the foods that went inside it. So um, when you hit one of the buttons, it would open up the lunchbox and provide you with all these different options for food so you could pack your lunch for the day and it was just it was a very open-ended exercise that you know the, and the students that designed it needed to figure out how to do like the dragging and dropping mechanic they needed mm -hmm. to figure out how to do like a selection screen and they had to figure out how to um, you know split up uh, it was actually a, a pretty interesting idea instead of just making a, a kind of stock graphic for the lunchbox, they actually took a lunchbox graphic and, and divided it up in the paint program that's in Scratch. So then they could, you know, customize the colors and do all that stuff. So it was just, it, it was a, a great concept, and I liked the fact that it was based on one of the actual prompts at the Smithsonian. Um, another favorite of mine that won uh, the best uh, visual design was Chef Jeff's Sandwich Adventure. Amazing. Um, which and was, those were girls, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. junior high girls, too, yeah. um, which... We overheard one of their conversations, which which really like 
kind of hit home that I love what we're doing with Spark because they they were kind of just like chatting with each other and I don't think they realized that we were like filming around the room and stuff but we overheard them say like oh my gosh this is so much fun like I'm having such a great time and how cool is the girl that was you know speaking because we had uh, uh, Elena Kolarov from Waymo was our kind of keynote speaker during female the second engineer. day yeah she's a, a female um, engineer at, at Waymo and it was just it was cool to see that they like recognize that like how cool is the you know the girl coder that that came in and did the talk or whatever so I don't know if they I don't think that they realized that we were filming that but I love it I love the fact that we overheard that but their game was about Chef Jeff um you had a character and unlike the you know the unlike the lunchbox game or some of the other ones where players were kind of given the stuff, Chef Jeff had to go around and find the different ingredients for sandwiches. And then at the end of the game, you could kind of like design the sandwich or, or invent a new sandwich based on whichever ingredients you decided to go after. And they had like five levels. They did all the artwork themselves. Um, and and I, I'm normally hesitant. Like I don't, it's a coding contest first and foremost. So I don't always just look at the projects that have great artwork or sure. that look the best. Yeah. Um, so this one was especially great for me because the coding was really solid. Like they and had, they were junior high yeah, students. and they had all kinds of great visual effects that went with it. Like it was just, it was really well done. Um, and it, uh, all of these, by the way, you can check out on our website, sparkapleague.com. If you go to the winners tab, they're all on there. The, they're, you know, team pictures are on there. You can click to play the actual games. Um, so there was a bunch of those. The the homeschooled students that won, their project was you had to go around. It was similar to Chef Jeff, except instead of going and picking up food pieces, um, the, the town was being threatened by a giant crazy cheeseburger and you had to collect and uh, find like pieces and then using those pieces you had to put together either a mustard gun a mayo gun or a ketchup gun and um, the mustard mayo and ketchup like the mayo because mayo's thick was like slower but it did more damage and ketchup was like fast to reload but it didn't do as much damage and stuff so depending on what pieces you put together and what type of gun you invented that affected kind of the the outcome of the game um Love it. Just so creative. Yeah, all of them. Even just walking around and watching, you know, all of these kids. And there were how many total teams were there? Ooh. So we had about 60 teams registered, but some, uh, we had some teams kind of show up at the last minute because students had heard about other students in their schools that were going to the event and decided to kind of jump on at the last minute. So I want to say we had probably between 60 and 70 teams. Um, I actually don't know the exact number because since the event, I've kind of been busy, but I'm planning on doing the debrief uh, for myself and, and looking at all that stuff. So. Yeah. So, and, and, and honestly, like you could walk around the room and go from table to table and just see one interesting, creative concept after Mm -hmm. another. And there were some kids that didn't finish, you know, um, there were kids that theirs didn't work. And so the judges go team to team and judge and watch, and you've got to sell and present your game. And I think that that's another huge piece of this, giving these kids confidence and being able to talk about their work and sell it, Mm -hmm. um, is a huge part of that, you know, having those presentation skills and Mm -hmm. then also, you know, being sure that it was working. And there were some that, when it came time, you know, couldn't get it to work or, you know, had issues. And again, it's in a very tight timeline. And so um, it's a great starting point for these kids to come and maybe they'll come back and return 
at our advanced event or at future events mm. and can continue to build on that and maybe there'll be winners. And so I think it's really amazing because we do host the event twice a year, but we, it's always different. It always has a different theme or a different keynote, different keynote speakers. Different goodies, different t-shirts. Yeah. And so the kids, you know, we had some return kids, but when um, we asked who had been here before, I think it was only a third of the room. Two thirds of the room were new when we had yeah. the new students stand. Um, and so that's really great. And so we, again, invite students from all over Arizona to come. And we've had teams come from Tucson and Prescott and up north um, in Arizona. And so we want to continue to expand that reach. And, you know, we always love it when we have a great representation from our Gilbert schools, which we always do. Mm -hmm. But it's also nice to invite new schools and new teachers into the mix. So it's just really such an amazing program. And, you know, as you said, for people to learn more, they should definitely you know, visit the website, sparkappleague.com, um, if you want to participate. So our next event is going to come up at the beginning of May. Yep. And the advanced event. And so yep. what um, tools will they be using to design their um, games or apps so in that event? So we're still finalizing kind of the details of that, but the, the general gist of it is that they're going to be using a game engine called Unity, which mm -hmm. um, it's a technically a game engine, but Unity is used for all kinds of games. It's also used for... Uh, architecture visualization and for like uh, real estate if you've ever seen like the not the virtual tours that people do of like houses and stuff where it's just a bunch of pictures that you walk around but like the actual like the virtual reality tours those yep. kinds of things unity is used for that and part of the reason that we picked unity is because then it puts kind of everybody on the same playing field um, and unity has uh, some choices that you can use in programming language um, but once you're done making the game unity can then like export it to an iPhone or an iPad or an Android tablet or a Windows PC or Mac. So uh, our, our goal, our goal with any event is that, that one students have something to take home at the end of the day, mm -hmm. even if they don't win a prize, even if they don't, um, you know, finish their project completely, they have something that they, they can show off something. to family and friends. Yeah. 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 And, um, I mean, that's another big piece. I think that we, maybe we don't say it enough, but you know, our judging process even is we check the teamwork and how well they plan the project out. So like mm -hmm. their project management skills and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But in any case, um, so for our advanced event, uh, unity, basically they can send us the entire project and then we can package it up and put it on the website so that people can download it and look at that stuff. So that's kind of the, the main point, but again, it's going to be very open-ended. Um, you know, we're collaborating with the Smithsonian again, but we're, it's going to be a, a, different theme, different prompt. Um, so, you know, part of the reason that we do that is because we don't want kids preparing stuff in advance for the event. So, um, you know, I just, I'm, I'm really excited. I, I, I was blown away by what the beginner level students did. So I can't even imagine what the, the advanced level students will do. You yeah. Know? It's going to be amazing. We're going to welcome Waymo back again, yeah. our same partners. So, and hopefully maybe some returning students and new yep. students as well. So you're awesome, Derek, and we couldn't Thanks. do this without you. And you were literally as someone observed this last event, they're like, he was born to do this. I'm like, I know, it's amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, I, and so when people say, oh, other cities could copy, I say, uh huh, they don't have Derek. I hope people can tell, like, I've been blabbering on for like the last 20 minutes or whatever, but I just, I'm really passionate about this because it, it, I relate to it so much, you know, mm -hmm. like I, every single time I meet these students, I, I just see, you know, myself in them when I was, you know, their age, learning to, to code and trying to figure it out on my own. You know, they just they have so many more resources now, but it's also so much more critical that they know how to do this stuff and that they're comfortable with it and that they enjoy doing it. 
that, you know, that's kind of the driving mission of it. And I, I think that might be the missing piece for a lot of places is that, you know, we, we've done a couple podcast episodes and I feel like we always, no matter what the topic is, we always end up talking about the why behind it. You know, it's, you're helping people connect the dots and figure out why they're doing what they're doing or why things are the way they are. And that's what I think separates Spark. I think a lot of these other coding contests that are out there, they don't, they don't look at the why they're doing it. They just, they know that they, you know, students need to code, so let's get them coding. But why do students need to code? And that's the biggest difference with Spark. Why do teachers need to know how to code? That's the difference with Spark. You know, why, why do students who are learning how to code need to know about visual design? Why do they need to know about project management? Why do they need to know about teamwork? Well, I, I think in the real world... Survival skills, yeah. yeah. Life skills. Yeah, you, you need to be able to work with people. The best... Uh, there's a, a quote, something along the lines of, you know, for any project or whatever, just throwing more people at it isn't going to help it. Nine women won't give birth to a baby in one month, you know, Mm -hmm. like you need people that know how to code, but that also can work in teams and that can manage their own time and that can do that stuff. Like the future of our country, the future of the planet relies on the things that these kids are going to create. You know, Waymo, uh, the, the, the people from Waymo that come to the event, the people from the Smithsonian that came to the event, like they were kids at some point, somebody, fostered that that creativity that knowledge that that desire to learn in them like that's what we're trying to do that's what makes spark different amazing you're awesome so thank you derek obviously for joining us and if you want to learn more about the amazing program as we said many times but we'll say it again visit the website at sparkapleague.com and be sure to engage with us on social media and leave us a review on itunes and let us know what you think about this podcast we'll see you soon from gilbert arizona on government gone digital <laughs>